Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. All right, this is episode 103 of the Traveling Image Makers Podcast. And surprise, surprise, we have Ralph Velasco back on the show. He was missing in action in the last couple of episodes because he was touring India and I think now he's in Cambodia at this moment. But while he was in India, he had the time to record an interview uh, with a photographer from New York, Bob Edelstein. Uh, so uh, actually this time it will just be uh, Ralph doing the interview. I'm just here to do the introduction. Uh, before I uh, give the microphone over to Ralph, I would just like to make a little announcement. Um, this is something that went live a few days ago on my website. I've, uh, I'll be leading a photo tour of Sardinia, one of the most beautiful islands in the Mediterranean. Uh, this will be a six-day tour in the northeastern part of Sardinia from uh, April 26th to May 1st, 2018. We are just uh, started opening the bookings, so there's plenty of spots left. But if you want to, to join us there, uh, just go to my website at ucphoto.me uh, forward slash tours and you will find all the information there. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm going to be leading this tour with my uh, good friend and amazing landscape photographer Alessandro Biggi from Italy uh, as well. Uh, we will be... Uh, driving across uh, the, that part of the island that has an, uh, one of the most uh, amazing coastlines. So it will be uh, a workshop uh, largely dedicated to landscape photography. So this is again at ucphoto.me slash tours. And as for this episode, you will find all the links and the show notes at ttim.photo forward slash 103. And now on to our interview with Bob Edelstein. Enjoy. Hi, this is Ralph Velasco of the Traveling Image Makers podcast, and I'm here in Jodhpur, India, with my good friend and client, Bob Edelstein. Welcome to the show, Bob. Nice to see you, Ralph. Always good to see you. Yeah, we've uh, traveled together a couple times now. And uh, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and about your photography? Well, I'm a CPA from... Long Island, born and raised on Long Island. I got into photography uh, probably in my late teens, um, becoming more and more uh, serious as I got older. And I'd say right now I'm probably as advanced as I have been, I believe, uh, in my photography, in my shooting. Um, I love, um, I just love taking pictures. And you've shot with a lot of different formats, uh, even since I've known you, what, now four years since I think our first trip was I summer think at 2013? Least, yeah, at least yeah, four yeah. years. Yeah, I think so. And uh, so tell us your progression of equipment, uh, you know, over the digital age for the most part, because now you're shooting with the Leica system, right? Yes, the Leica system um, is the latest uh, system that I'm shooting with, um, uh, unfortunately, I'm the type of person that felt uh, a need for uh, the equipment to make a good photographer. Uh, I now realize uh, that is not the case. 
uh, and uh, a good photographer can make a, a great image uh, with any type of equipment. But specifically Leica, I've uh, gravitated towards it in the last two or three years. Um, I started out with, uh, with the Leica Monochrome, uh, which shoots only black and white and produces um, very uh, rich tones in black and white, which I don't seem to see uh, in color conversions to black and white. Um, I've added the Leica M10 recently that came out. Um, because my wife said to me, you're going to India and you're going to shoot it in black and white? And uh, at the, the colors is in the title of your tour, so I had to come up with a, a color uh, body, and like it was the natural progression, because we can use both, lens, both the lenses on both bodies. It's funny, you, know, you mentioned the name of the tour, because uh, we're here in Jodhpur, India right now. Uh, this is actually the last full day of our trip, and uh, the name of the trip is called The Colors and Cultures of India, and I thought twice about using that name, because when I was here last year scouting, and I was here about six, seven years ago, the first time, um, I shot a lot of black and white, or I converted to black and white quite a few of my images, and you know, I decided that white is the presence of all colors and black is the absence of color. And they're both colors themselves, I assume. So, you know, it's, we're, but we're seeing so many it, colors. It's hard to pass up. It's hard to pass up. Uh, yellow, saffron, red, blue, especially against the uh, ancient uh, buildings uh, that we've been in. And the light here is so... There's a certain quality about the light here because... Uh, especially in the, in the latter part, in the early part of the day. Um, it's a very, very enticing contrast between uh, saffron and perhaps light blue, uh, like, like Jodhpur, uh, the blue city uh, that we're in right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, you've got these beautifully dressed women, especially, that are wearing these uh, wonderfully colored saris, of all these different colors, like you mentioned, and then they're against these very dilapidated buildings, these very uh, interesting street scenes. And I always say, and I, and I talk about it uh, about Cuba too, but it's it's wonderfully interesting people against great backgrounds. Absolutely, absolutely, and and India in particular, which um, before I came, I had no idea how. Uh, 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 agreeable they are to being photographed and uh, as well as Cuba you know uh, and that's what I'm into now also I'm into people um, I like uh, landscape um, but and I like portrait a little bit as well but the street scenes really attract my attention and in India it's all street scenes yeah, and, and you've done some amazing shots. I've been following you on Facebook for a long time and uh, seeing your black and white images of what I would call street photography or street scenes and that the black and white like I just uh, uh, really helps you to create those high contrast type images. And I see you shooting. What, would you say there's a percentage? Because you're, walk, you're walking around with both cameras. Is there a percentage that you're shooting with each one, more or less? That this, you know is, this, this is the first time I attempted this. I've never really traveled with two bodies. 
And quite frankly, I'm not sure it's really working out for me. Um, I try to, what I'm doing with black and white is I, I, I'm using my 50 millimeter lens on, on the monochrome primarily for portraits. Um, and the color uh, with the M10 and the 35 millimeter lens is, are my street scenes. So I don't want to carry around, I don't want two bodies hanging off my neck all the time. I think this could be a little intimidating to certain people. Um, so I haven't really ironed that out yet. <laughs> I was going to try to do one day with this and one day with the color, one day with black and white, but I'm always pining for something else, the pining for something that I didn't take with me. Yeah. So um, it's not really working out the way I wanted to. I got great images but I always feel like I'm just torn. I don't know. It's, uh, I have to work it out somehow. And, and for those folks who don't know anything about these cameras, I mean, these are very small camera bodies with very small lenses. So it's not like you're walking around with a huge DSLR and a 24 to 70 on one and a 70 to 200 on the other, you know, two Canons. I mean, these are fairly discreet bodies and lenses already right but they are solid they're they're pretty heavy oh you know yeah. I, you pay for the, through the nose for for this equipment um uh is it worth it i don't know uh it makes me happy for the moment uh so it's working for me right now but um yes it's it is light uh, they're small they're they're pretty dense you know it's a solidly made a body and the lenses are nice, but with a 35 millimeter, you get great depth of field. And in street scenes, where you know, I know you tried. Uh, we were at the Camel Fair, and you tried shooting with it, you know, and mm -hmm. focusing, and then getting your aperture. Uh, but once you get it down, and like you have uh, actually instructed us during this tour, is try to get uh, your focus area and just click away, click away with your composition and, you know, a predetermined spot, let somebody go by and you have your image. So it does work. It does work. Um, so I'm, I'm very pleased uh, with the system. Certainly the portability, I don't, and the best camera is the one you have with you. So it's always with me. So that's what, that's what makes it helpful. Yeah. And what, and what I do say is uh, to, to put your camera into a point and shoot mode so that you've got your settings right for those particular conditions. Then all you have to do is point and shoot. You don't have to think about aperture, shutter speed, ISO, white balance, and all these other things that distract us from and lose. We, we often lose the moment because we're in markets and fairs and uh, you know these are not landscapes or table type. Table, tabletop photography where you know we could take our time and get those shots these are moving scenes we have to uh, be anticipatory and and see the shot before it even happens and I want to take it and if it comes out okay fine uh, but I'm going to take it I'm not going to not take that shot I'm just going to click away uh, because there are markets here that are extremely crowded and you're going to get people in there that perhaps you don't want in there and there's nothing you can do about it so you just click away hope for the best I'm not saying don't plan uh, but I my feeling is I, I do tend to 
do a lot of clicking. <laughs> I take but, a lot of images. But at the same time, I, I see you being very intentional, too, because you've got this manual focus and mm -hmm. the camera. Yes. It's not like you're just sitting there on continuous no. and, and shooting indiscriminately. I mean, you're... I, I, weren't you saying that you're actually taking a lot less images? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I, I was in Myanmar in uh, 2011, and I think I shot 11,000 images with a DSLR. And that's click, 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 just constantly. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I did get some good images, but I, I think I missed a bit of the place. <laughs> I think I didn't really uh, take in what was happening. And that slows me, this slows me down, Leica slows you down. Uh, in a positive way. Yeah. And, and I also talk about uh, you, the, you know, travel photography is made up of two words, travel and photography. So let's spend half the time traveling and half the time photographing and taking in the place. Because like you say, you come to these wonderful destinations and then you realize, well, yeah, I've got a lot of great shots, but was I really there? You know, was I present? And to me, I think as much as I've traveled, I, I've come to that that realization that I want to have memories as well as the photographs, the experiences. Exactly. I'll be honest with you. On on my way to India, I was all I wanted was great images. That's all I wanted was great images. And when you think about that, you're missing the travel experience. Also, you know, I'm traveling alone in a group. Of course, I'm going to say alone, not with my wife, right. for example. And um, she would make me enjoy the trip more, you know, because she'd stop me from shooting quite as much. But you do have to uh, live in the moment as well. You do have to enjoy yourself. I mean, I don't know how many times I will be in India if I ever am able to return. And as I said previously, the people here and, the, and how nice they are really made me want to enjoy this country in addition to coming back with great images. Well, how about the fact that uh, almost every day we're getting pulled over by the local Indian folks to get pictures with them? It's, it's like Dennis Rodman in North Korea. You know, <laughs> it is just, it, it hit me so strange. And we, I've had conversations with everybody on the, on the tour, and I said, I'm so puzzled by it. I don't understand. There must be a bunch of Americans that come through here, yet people, actually people sneak next to you. They think they're being a, a little coy, and all of a sudden this kid's holding up, he's taking a selfie of, of, of himself, and I see I'm in there also. <laughs> it happened to us yesterday. Yeah, at the yeah. So I, said, so I stood up. I said, you know what? I put his arm around put my arm around his shoulder, I say, hey, click away, you know. <laughs> so, and I think they're just afraid to uh, approach you. Uh, I'm still a little unclear why Westerners are a little bit of a, an oddity because so many come through here. Maybe it's because they're on tour buses, large tour buses, and they don't see the people individually, whereas we, eight, nine people, travel as a group right through a, a bazaar, you can't do that with 60 people on a bus. No. You can't shuffle those people through. So maybe they see them, but they don't have the ability to make a little contact with us. And I think that's what they like. I think part of it, too, may be that they are also tourists because we may be at the fort or at a, another 
tourist destination, which is part of our tours. Of course, we try to get into the, the local scenes with the people, but we're also in some tourist destination, and they are Indian tourists. So maybe where they're from, they're not seeing people come through every day like that. Could that could very well be. The people that who want to take pictures with us are probably not from Jodhpur. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, there are other tourists <laughs> from good, other parts good, of India. That's a good point. I didn't really think about yeah, that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so what? now you've been on three trips with me. We've done Cuba twice, and uh, we're, of course, in India now. What is it about, uh, I mean, you have the means, you have the capability, the, uh, the know-how to travel on your own. What is it about a tour that, that you enjoy? Well, I'll tell you specifically about your tour. Uh, um, your tours uh, are for a person like myself who has quite limited time uh, to take off, and I'm not retired. Uh, some people on the tour are retired. They, they travel three or four times a year on, on these tours. Uh, I'm not able to do so uh, for, for time constraints. But when I go, I want to know that every part of that trip is, is thought out practically. Um, I'm not getting up at 6 o'clock every day uh, and on the road. Uh, you can, you can do, there's a time where I can get up at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. I mean, of course, Taj Mahal, uh, we, left the, we left the hotel at 6. And of course, if you want to do it, it has to be a little pain to get that type of gain. So uh, your trips in particular, and I have been on others, um, where we spend a lot of time on the bus, and that's not real enjoyable. Uh, but your tours... Um, it's typical, I know what to expect, and I don't want to have to worry uh, when I go on a tour uh, how it's going to be, not at this point in my career. No. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I try to plan everything out as much as possible. Of course, things do happen. I mean, we had a bus breakdown this, this trip, but it maybe set us an hour back. Um, I, I didn't hear a complaint from anybody. These people, they're, they're seasoned travelers. Um, if you go, if you're going to uh, uh, a place like India, a place like Cuba, uh, a lot of the foreign countries, not necessarily the European or the, in the EU, uh, those countries are a little uh, better prepared. Maybe their vehicles are a little better maintained, uh, but it's part of the adventure, and you just have to go with it. Yeah, and everyone just uh, rolled with it, and uh, we had some fun with it, which which was great. Because I, I get a little stressed out because I, I don't want people to, you know, to to be uh, to be inconvenienced. Sure. But uh, you know, it's it, it really the people's true colors come out in those types of situations, and everyone was fantastic. Um, and uh, I, I also get a lot of uh, single female travelers, and, and they may be married, but uh, they're on their own. And especially in a country like India, I think they're much more comfortable in a small group. And you've got that camaraderie, too, as opposed to just being in a place by yourself. So, um, Oh, in India, you, I would never attempt India on my own. Never. Uh, it, and it's and it's and for a photographer, I think it's more enjoyable to go in a group, um, and a group of this size. I'd say up to a dozen, in my opinion, would would be the maximum I'd like to go with. Uh, this trip we have significantly less, at maybe eight or nine, uh, which is even better. 
there's more room on the vehicle. You can put your bags down. You can stretch out a little bit. Um, there's, and to, there's no way you can drive in India unless you're born here. No, I there's just so no either. way. It takes an incredible skill to drive here. Yeah, and we have uh, very good professional drivers. But my trips are typically six to eleven participants, and uh, it's enough where you know I could spread the common costs over enough people to get the price down for everyone else. Uh, yeah, but it's also not so many that I can't provide the instruction that people want. But then there's also the, uh, the I love the camaraderie, and I love when the group just melds well together like this one has and uh, everyone's just laughing at every meal or on the bus and just having a great time well i'm all for the fun i mean i like to have fun when i have fun it makes me feel good i think that there is a chemical release when you laugh and have fun uh, i'll give you an example my my granddaughter who's almost four uh every day at about Six o'clock or so, right before she has dinner, she likes to laugh. She tries to make herself laugh because for some reason it must make her feel good. She act literally tries to make herself laugh so much that she gets the hiccups. At a particular and time, every day. Every day. That's it's a amazing. very, it's That's a very strange thing. So a great practice. It's just, uh, it's something that must make her feel really good. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's something, it's something is, is released when you're happy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and these people are great, and I get to use all my old jokes to, <laughs> to, to new people, and they haven't heard my, uh, my stand-up routine yet, so a whole bunch of, a new audience, and uh, I'm in heaven. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, I feel the same way too because I use my same jokes all the time as well. Yeah. And hey. people, and people, you know, uh, you know, they they're, they sometimes are a little apprehensive at first because they maybe can be a little sarcastic and uh, don't really get it. By the by, the end of the trip, they're more sarcastic than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, so, uh, talking about the the trip, I mean, we started out in Delhi, the capital. We went to Agra, which is home of the Taj Mahal. Then we went to Jaipur, known as the Pink City, Amar Fort, uh, the Pushkar Camel Fair. Now we're in Jodhpur, the Blue City. What are some highlights that stuck out for you in the parts of India that, that you've seen? I'd have to say uh, the Pushkar Camel Fair, uh, to me, is the highlight uh, uh, so far. Uh, and... The reason being is I'm a person who I enjoy the engagement of a local person. I love to speak with them, and even though oftentimes there's no ability to communicate uh, verbally, you get to know that person, and the people here are, are just very genuine. Um, in, when I'm saying genuine, at the at the camel fair where they come from, all their villages and they live there for uh, I think it's about ten or twelve days, uh, trading uh, animals. Uh, uh, we saw a tremendous amount of camels, uh, beautiful horses, uh, and all kinds of things happening. And the people who live there have to eat there, so there's food stalls and there's a little stadium where people sit where I imagine they parade some of their uh, camels and horses through. Um, and 
that was the classic, before I came, the classic phase, determined that dark-skinned man, that silver hair, that fantastic mustache, or that unbelievable head of hair, uh, because some of the Indians, that was almost going to be the theme of my, uh, my trip, was hair. Okay. Uh, because even the young kids hair, it, when we were in Delhi, there were a whole bunch of kids, you, you know, that had some modern haircuts, you know, but their hair, I mean, their hair lines and their hair is so black, it's almost like a dark blue uh, in certain light. And um, uh, I don't know, maybe because I don't have much hair, I was so into it, but it just struck me. Um, and uh, so that was a tremendous highlight. Don't get me wrong, the Taj Mahal uh, was a highlight, um, but it's so it's so grand, and everybody's done it. Um, so, and again, I'm into people, and I find those images the most fascinating. Yeah, and we went out yesterday here in Jopur, the Blue City, and uh, we went up to the the very impressive fortress, and then we walked down through mm. the the Blue City, the blue part of the city. And uh, that was one of my favorite days. And just seeing the people on the street, not one other tourist uh, anywhere, and photographing people just looking out windows, sitting in doorways, and doing and, what they did. And the guy who gave us that turban demonstration, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he demonstrated the right. turban. Then, we, like you said, we walked down, uh, uh, down to the streets, and we, as we were going out, we ran into him again. Mm-hmm. And then we saw where he lived, yeah. in the fort. And he showed us our house. Wait, did you go inside? I was with you, yeah. I didn't know if you had gone inside. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and here we are in this little, basically, uh, a room. And this guy has probably worked in the fort for 20 years or something. And he lives there. And he sees a little, a little hot plate and, and, a little, and a bed and... A very simple yeah, little shrine. Shrine. And it was neat as a pen, clean. It was amazing. Uh, Jodhpur, uh, of, of all the cities that we've traveled, uh, is, is the cleanest. It seems the most affluent. Um, and I just really want to make, make a point, too, about um, food in India. Um, everybody on this tour loves Indian food. And I think that was part of the allure of this trip. Me, I was fighting the Indian food. Um, it, it really kept me away from India, probably for a number of years. Uh, but I finally took the plunge, and um, I said, "Excuse I me, get, was it about getting sick, or was it that you just don't yeah, care for get, Indian get, food?" Getting sick, and also the heat of it. You know, okay. I can't take the heat of it. Uh, it's not particularly the. Um, the taste, it's more the heat and the spice mm-hmm. that my stomach really uh, doesn't do well with. But I, I didn't miss a meal. I, I, got every, I had rice at every meal. Sometimes it was plain. Sometimes it was a little spicy. But um, it, it's a, it was a bit of a challenge. But um, I survived. I'm here. So, uh, and I'm glad I, I uh, tried to uh, overcome that hurdle. Because that was really holding me back. And also, the other thing that was holding me back is I have a very sensitive sense of smell. Mm. But yet here, not so bad. Not so bad. Really, yeah. uh, I was surprised. 
Yeah, I know people have said that they were afraid that you know they would just be overwhelmed by the the smells in India, and I, I have a fairly good sense of smell, and I didn't find that at all. Um, and uh, I, I love Indian food, and I was under the impression that you know all Indian food is hot, but it's such a big country. Yes, and there's so many very small pockets where they have their own type of cuisine, and you know maybe there's a few that. Where where you'll go and everything's maybe you know, always hot, but at our uh, out at our outdoor dinner up at Pushkar, yep. outside, mm-hmm. I was eating goat liver. Okay, <laughs> so here's the guy who was afraid to eat, and now I'm eating goat liver, and man, it was good. It was good. It huh? was delicious. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, we did a camel cart ride from the hotel to another property owned by the the person who owns the hotel. It was through the camel fair, through the town, through the festival, and then to this property. And then we had a private uh, dancers. I thought that was fantastic. Absolutely. They were good. A little fire show and the dancers. The food was great. Yeah, I mean, these were real people. Oh, yeah. Under the stars, there was a two-month-old baby with them. You know, uh, it's something. It's something. I, I would recommend India extremely highly. No. extremely highly but it has to be organized and it was nice I, I just had like a grin on my face the whole time <laughs> there really hasn't been anything that uh, that that was uh, contrary to uh, having a good time and, and what I would recommend to people if they come on their own is don't skimp on hotels don't I mean unless you're a real backpacker and you want to be in the heart of the city uh, I learned early on that it's it's good to be just outside the center in a very nice hotel, which doesn't have to be expensive, maybe seventy-five to a hundred dollars a night. But it's nice to have that quiet respite to come back to a nice clean shower, uh, uh, get a decent night's sleep. You do, you yeah. do. I mean, uh, when when you're out in the streets here, you, you know, uh, you, when you come back to your room, you need a nice good, you need a good shower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a good shower and some little solace, yeah. and especially the hotel, uh, the the last hotel that we're in now, wow, that was just this is just a, a fantastic place. Uh, the health, uh, I mean, people calling, how's it going? You know, is everything okay in your room? And um, the service is tremendous, and the, the facilities here are just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, swimming pool, several restaurants, bars, uh, alcohol, which isn't always available in every place. So Pushkar is a, a dry city, and so the hotel that we stayed at uh, was actually veg and did not have any alcohol. Um, so Yeah, a number of people uh, on this tour, I see they're, they're eating vegetarian. I'm not sure if they're vegetarians all the time, but this is a vegetarian's paradise. Yeah, people are asking me, you know, if I want, if I don't eat meat, is India a good place to go? And I'm like, it's probably the best place to go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, they, what they do with vegetables, I mean, you know, is is tremendous. <laughs> Great. Well, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, anything else about India or photography or f- photographing in India? I mean. Uh, I, I, you know, the listeners know that I'm a big proponent, and as you know, of, of working from a shot list and coming back with a variety of images, and I'm always talking about that. But India just is one of those places where the majority of the pictures you're going to get are of the people, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What I, what I would like to add is that there is a, a very wide range of abilities, 
um, uh, photographic abilities on, on this trip, uh, different people. Uh, some people, uh, I'm assuming they may not even show their images to any, any one of us. But they're going, they're having a great time, they take, they're taking their own pictures. And that's, to me, what it's really all about, is what those images mean to you. Right. I'm not a professional. Uh, I'll never be a professional. I don't want to be a professional. Uh, I want to be able to enjoy taking pictures without the pressure of having to come up with a great image. I want to come up with a great image, but I don't want the pressure. No. Yeah, and I get uh, a lot of different levels of photographers on my trip. As you know, sometimes people aren't photographers at all, and they'll just use a smartphone. I think we have a, several of those on the trip. And you know, maybe it's a spouse or a friend who is interested in photography or more interested. Uh, but I even get couples that uh, you know just smartphone or point-and-shoot type of photographers. But I call my trips cultural tours with a focus on photography. So I'm there to teach as much or as little as people like. But photography is a part of the trip. Uh, if people are looking for a photo workshop where it's 12 hours a day photography all day long, uh, you know, sunrise and sunset, then that's a different type of tour. And that's that, great. That's correct. It's mm -hmm. uh, to, to each his own. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't, me personally, I wouldn't like the rigor uh, of that kind of uh, program, um, you know, where uh, there's a review every day. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind taking a nap for two or three hours in the middle of the day because it's hot in India. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah, and we did uh, one mid-trip image review, Yes, uh, which I like to, about halfway through the trip, let people you know, give me five to seven images, and we put them up on the screen, and then we talk about them, and it's a great way to learn from your own and other people's images. People really should participate in that, because there's no embarrassment, and uh, believe me, nobody nobody's judging that person. I'm, who, who am I to judge anybody else's images mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway? Um, but you really should take advantage of that. If you go on a tour and that is offered, you really should take advantage because that's the only way you're going to improve. Yeah, I agree. Well, Bob, I can't thank you enough, number one, for coming on the trip, but number two, for taking the time to be a guest on the show. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Great. Thanks, Thanks Ralph.